Hey everyone, you're listening to the 107 Podcast, where we get together every fortnight, and sometimes more often, to talk about technology, business, and the humans in it. I'm your host, Ivan Stegic. My guest today is Claire Liu, the CEO of Know Your Team, and her mission is to help people become happier at work. Now, I've been a big fan of Know Your Team and Know Your Company before it since we started using the service back in 2017 when we became fully distributed. At the time, I was looking for ways to nurture the culture that we had already established as a team and make sure that we could bring those into being a distributed team. And I found Know Your Company through some colleagues of mine. And after giving it a shot, I was so happy and impressed that we've been using it ever since. So I'm so glad to be talking to Claire today. Welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on. Thank you so much for having me, Yvonne. I love that <laughs> that intro because uh, I think it's you know it's always incredible to connect and get to know folks who've been using the product for for a while. You've been with us for a while. It's awesome. Yeah, we have. Yeah. I'm kind of sad we didn't start using it sooner, actually. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that. That's music to my ears, <laughs> right, as a business owner. So thank you. Absolutely. How, how are you? I want to start by saying, how are you doing? How is this yeah. pandemonium of a pandemic yeah. treating you? Well, you know, I think the, the word that comes to mind is grateful. There are so many people right now who are honestly really struggling. A lot of customers of ours who are really struggling. And I think to be in a situation as I'm personally in, which is safe and healthy, family is safe and healthy, business is strong, you know, uh, employed, right? It's all, it's, it's, I just feel really, really grateful. And also, um, yeah, and, and just really feel for a lot of folks who are, are hurting during this time. Yeah, I, I know what you I know what you mean. It's um, I kind of feel the same, you know, just grateful to being in a position that I am and um, having a healthy family and and having a company that's still running and working and not having to lay anyone off. Um, it kind of makes me think about, like, what could we do to give back to society? And, I, you know, we can't manufacture ventilators. We're not a Tesla or a GE. And, you know, we've done small things like a podcast with remote working tips you've kind of gone a little further and you you released this guide to managing remote teams mm, for free yeah totally well i think you know in light of folks uh who unlike you didn't go remote sort of or you know maybe years ago but just were sort of forced into this and forced into making this transition rather quickly i mean as a remote team ourselves and and, you know, for you as a remote leader too, Yvonne, I'm sure you can empathize with the fact that the transition actually kind of takes a while if mm -hmm. you haven't done it before. And probably likely for you and I, it was over the course of months that we helped our team transition and it was this sort of big initiative, right? right. And now in this situation, you've got, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of companies that are doing and teams that are doing this and having to do it in a matter of days and or 24 hours. And so... We felt like we actually had some really helpful resources to, to support folks during that time and during that transition. And so actually what we did is last year, about a year and a half ago, I spent maybe three to five months researching and writing a 
guide to managing remote teams and uh, pulled together sort of a bunch of seminal research from the past 10, 15 years, did a big survey with hundreds and hundreds of managers and employees on remote work and best practices, put it together in this 60-page guide, and we put it in the Know Your Team product, along with we have eight other guides on things like um, building trust and uh, getting feedback. And we did that. And, you know, it's been sitting there in the product and customers like yourself have been enjoying it and, mm-hmm. you know, finding it useful. But when this pandemic happened, I was like, oh, my God, we have so much wealth of information. I'm getting so many questions about what people should do in, in transitioning. Let's just open this up. And so we made the guide completely for free. And if you actually go and you visit the guide today, uh, what you see is actually almost identical to the way that it's even formatted in the software itself. And so um, in the beginning, we asked for people's email addresses just to email it to them. Uh, and I mean, because we literally, we just tried to make it public as soon as possible. As soon as and possible. Then real- yeah. Right. And then realize, oh, no, we would love to not even have to ask for people's emails and for them just to be able to read it, read it in the browser. And so Mm -hmm. finally, you know, that's a much bigger project. Um, And so finally we were able to do that. So if you go to knowyourteam.com and you go to our remote resources, um, we have a remote managers page. You can, you can visit that and read that. And in addition to that, we also, then we hold these workshop live sessions, which, um, I think you you know may have attended yes, um, and registered. Oh yeah, great. for for one and two. Oh well, yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah, so this is something. These are you know sixty minute uh, sessions that I personally run on a specific topic on leadership, and we go really deep on it. And we were planning to do one on remote work, and so I decided to do one, except for this time, open it up completely for free mm. to um, for the recording, for the slides, everything. And usually that's stuff we reserve for customers because they're you know they're paying us for that. And um, but in this situation, it was just like, no, we just got to get this information to as many folks as possible. So we had hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people download the guide and we had you know over 500 people from all over the world tune in for the the webinar that's and awesome. um, thousands of folks who actually registered um for it and so it was yeah it was it was to your point right like what are the small things we can do that was you know one of the small things that that we were able to put forward I think that's wonderful. I think that contribution is well noted. And it's not just that it's timely right now when there's a pandemic going on, but it's it's going to be around for a little while longer here. And I think the whole you know, fundamental way we're working as a society has been moving towards more of a distributed nature, more of a work from home. And I think this, mm. if you can think of what, at least one good thing that's come out of the pandemic, it's uh, that we've been challenged as a society to think about how we actually work um, and whether you know location is important to every job. In some cases, it is, of course. But uh, I like that we're moving to this hybrid and work from home culture all over. Yeah, I think um, I think it's encouraging that it's a, something that people um, that it's more widely adopted just because of the forcing function. I think um, one of the things that uh, will be interesting or that I've sort of watched is also the way leadership styles and management styles sort of adapt in that context as well. And so, for example, one of the biggest reactions that often happen, unfortunately, 
um, or happens, unfortunately, in uh, teams that go remote quite quickly is that oftentimes the leader, because they're not used to remote work, they get a little anxious about, well, are people working? And so as a result, Yvonne, they start micromanaging a bit more. They ask for status or they, you know, hold status meeting, update meetings every, uh, you know, every day, or they ping people on Slack. Hey, you know, what's going on with this? All the incessantly, uh, you know, they put up more pressure. Uh, there was an article in Bloomberg that was published uh, recently about how it reported bosses buying uh, panic buying spy software, right? So there's just this emphasis on tracking and surveillance, right? So it's a very, right. right. So it's, I think the opportunity for remote work to actually work well is there. And then I think the actual sort of practice of it, I mean, that's where we really feel with know your team. And it's a huge part of why we have the tool and all of our resources is, to help make sure that just because you're now remote doesn't mean that your actual management practices get better in any way. And in sometimes, in some cases, remote work can actually bring out the worst in us and leaders mm-hmm. and exacerbate negative habits that we have. And so, I yeah, I wrote an article on this recently where I go a lot deeper on that, but it's just something I've been noticing. And, and yeah, and I think for folks who are listening, if you are a manager who's recently become remote and, you know, you're listening to me and you're like, well, Claire, you know, how do you know if people are working? Like, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Right. Trust. Ooh, say that one more time. Yvonne. What was that? Trust. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Exactly. You hire people to do a job and a big part of your role as a leader is to trust them to do it. Exactly. Exactly. We're all adults, right? Right. And, and you have to help them along the way, I'm sure, at times and coach folks and make expectations clear. And there's a lot of things that you can do to create an environment for people to do the work. But there's a lot of research that's been shown the more surveillance and tracking that you try to do, the worse that that actual outcome is. And we'll link, we'll link to the uh, article for our listeners in the show notes for the website on the web page. So we'll do that. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Cool. I want to go to the origin story of Know Your Team. I mentioned in the intro that it was previously called Know Your Company. Mm -hmm. And I want to kind of set up how you were introduced to the product, to the company, and why you went that way. Now, my understanding is you hated your previous job. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. So fast, or sorry, rewind, if we hopped in a little time machine here, Mm, 10 years back, I would say, or so. Uh, I I'd started a company coming out of college, and it was a um, beginner-focused software school in Chicago. It was actually the first of its kind there. I mean, you see coding boot camps everywhere these days, but at the time, we were the very first ones, one of the first in the country, in fact. And it did really well. Uh, but after I, I helped start the company, I, w- I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. So I took some time off and then I went and decided, you know what, I'm like 22 or like 23 years old and I've never worked for anyone yet. Like maybe I should mm. go do that first. So I did. So I went to go work for someone and I worked at a small e-commerce startup and I was, you know, I was an employee and did everything from operations to marketing, uh, to sales and, I had a boss, right? And my boss was a terrible leader. He was a great person, um, really wonderful human, but really, really terrible leader. And, you know, some of the biggest things were 
uh, playing favorites would be lack of vision, uh, sort of being mercurial about different ideas and no sort of context as to where we were going or why and all good intentions, right? Here's a good person. But it struck me, Yvonne, wow, here's a person who likely thinks he's a good leader. I mean, he's charismatic, right? But he's mm. actually the practice of leadership itself. So building trust, communicating honestly, creating context isn't being fulfilled. And it just, it drove me mad. I mean, mm. I was deeply unhappy at my job because of this. I love my coworkers, love the work itself, but it was the, the boss's influence that really actually hurt my own personal morale. And I thought, wow, if this is happening to me literally at a six person startup, can you imagine at a 60 person company at a 600 person company? Mm. And can you imagine, you know, the fact that even in such a small organization, this the, the leader in question also likely has no idea, right? Yeah. If he thought, you know, if he knew he was bad, he likely would have tried to do something a little something different. Something about it, right. He would have tried right? to improve himself. Mm-hmm. And so it just, it begged this question of how do you help leaders really get to know their team better, right? How do you help leaders become better? And so I decided to really dedicate my life's work to that. So I spent the next several years uh, immersing myself in self-study and research and then ended up starting my own consulting practice, working with CEOs and organizations one-on-one. And my first actual official consulting client in terms of helping leaders get to know their team better and see their blind spots and become better as leaders, my first client was actually Basecamp. So formerly noticed 37 signals. Yeah. How did you land that? Did you cold call? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, well, so you may have recalled that I mentioned that I started this um, coding school coming out of college. College, yeah. yeah what was it so, called? So we yeah. have a link to that. Mm-hmm. So it was called the Starter League. And it was uh, it was unique in the sense that because we were one of the first, right, if not the first, um, at least in definitely in, in Chicago, uh, we taught Ruby on rails. And the other part uh, that we taught is we taught, uh, the ability, uh, to actually build your own product. Right. So it wasn't just this idea of, Oh, you know, becoming a code monkey, so to speak. Right. We're just going to mm-hmm. teach you the things and then you, you know, blindly follow, but rather can we give you the skills to actually build your own ideas? And that was the whole, premise behind and spirit of, of the organization. And our only, we were profitable, um, since the first time we opened class, uh, completely bootstrapped, you know, we were serving over 1400 people all over the world who were flying in to take our classes every single week in person, mind you, this is not online Mm -hmm. in person. And, our after I left the company, actually, uh, Basecamp and the founders of Basecamp and Jason Freed, the CEO in particular, approached um, my former co-founders about investing in the company. And so mm. they actually did a small minority investment. Uh, the Starter League is the only company to the, to date that I'm aware of that Basecamp has ever made an investment in. And uh, and the investment was more than just money, but also just sort of a sort of thought partnership, right. And guidance and advice. Mentor, mentorship as well. Um, and so that's my connection to Jason. So at the time I'd never met him and I'd never been, you know, in contact with Basecamp, but sort of now fast forward back to the, the point in time where I've started my consulting practice 
And I got connected to Jason because my former co-founder, who's the CEO of the Starter League, um, his name's Neil Salas Griffin. He, Neil, uh, I was telling Neil about my idea and he just looked at me and he goes, you need to meet Jason. And what I didn't realize mm. is that Jason just the other day had been telling Neil about this problem and how he wanted to build a product around it. So crazy timing, crazy sort of serendipity, whatever you want to call it. But, but that's how we, so we met and the rest is history. Yeah. It feels like there were a lot of um, overlapping factors that um, really helped you two to get your stars aligned, so to speak. I mean, you're in Chicago, right? 37 right. Signals Base Camp, they were in Chicago. Ruby on Rails, that's, I mean, David is the father of mm-hmm. Ruby on Rails, right? So you got two strikes for you there. And then this this interest in the Starter League. So how how wonderful that that would all work out. So so they were actually working on a tool already that they had an, mm-hmm. an idea for. And then exactly. And then what what happened then? Yeah. So they had already been working on this tool. But when I met them, you know, Jason, he was very much interested in the consulting that I was doing. He said, mm. I, you know, I want to hire you to to do a project for for Basecamp. So I did that. And he said, and I also want to show you this tool that we're building and I want to get your feedback on it. And that Mm. tool was actually, at the time it was called Honcho, but what they ended up calling it was know your company. So what happened was they ended up, you know, I did the consulting project for them. It went extremely well. They actually ended up changing a number of things in the company because of it, which was remarkable. And then, uh, Basecamp, they launched this product, uh, Know Your Company. They started selling it publicly and so getting customers, and it just took off. And it took off to a point where they had, you know, customers like Airbnb and One Password. And Jason was like, whoa, whoa, this is, this is not a product, this is actually a business. Mm-hmm. And so that happened. And then another thing happened, which is you might recall, they were still at the time actually called 37 Signals. Yes, I do recall that. So they had ton- a ton of different products and uh, they wanted to simplify and go all in on Basecamp. So Jason called me up one day, asked to meet. We met up and he said, you know, we're planning on doing this thing where we're going to go all in on Basecamp. We're going to change the name. We're going to get rid of the other products. He said, but no, your company we're not really sure what to do with it. I don't want to shut it down. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sell it necessarily. Mm-hmm. What I want, what I'd love to do is, you know, I have this crazy idea. We've never done this before, but we'd love to spin it out to be its own separate company. And what if you became the CEO, Claire? And we split equity 50, 50. Um, you know, once you do a million in, in revenue, uh, we'll bump you up to 75. We'll go down to 25% equity. Uh, but you run the whole thing. We, you know, we won't give you any sort of initial cash, but you'll get the, the software and you'll get the customers. You won't get any team. So it'll just be you. So you'll have to figure out who you want to hire, et cetera. And that's it. What do you think? And, you know, this is back in, this is like six years ago now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's my dream job. Yeah. Uh, wow. Because when I started my consulting practice, I'd done it as a means to, obviously help people, but also to, uh, to really go deep on the problem, if that makes any sense. And then my plan was to somehow transfer it into software at some point. And so, yeah, that's, but that's what happened, Yvonne. That's the story. 
I, I love to hear origin stories like that. They just, it's <laughs> yeah. so great. I, one of the things I really appreciate about using the tool, using the software, is that it doesn't feel like it was a software idea that mm. someone created to solve a problem. It, it mm. kind of feels like there's research and methodology and thought and data and evidence to mm. to fuel the solutions and to fuel the methodology of um, you know mentoring and and nourishing and nurturing a, a culture in your company and it's almost like the software is a side thing like it's a side business it, this is the way that you accomplish that and I, mm. I think I think that's why it it's in my opinion, that's why it's been as successful as it has. I mean, it started off as a very simple tool, right? And so I appreciated simple. that as well. It was just yeah. email, right? Mm -hmm. You get an email, you click on a link, you don't have to log in or anything. You can just put your answer in there. And there's the whole icebreaker introduction to the tool. Um, and like that was so simple back then. And I, I'm, I'm guessing that's what you inherited when you when you were 50% owner and when you first took over the company. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, at the time, even when we, we were, uh, I inherited the company, icebreakers didn't even exist, actually. That was a feature we ended up – or I ended up designing and coming up with and we ended up building. But it was – I mean, it was so bare bones, Yvonne. It was literally three questions a week, one on Monday, one on Wednesday – and one on Friday. I recall. I must have been mm -hmm. pretty early on then um, because I remember there was like no control over very Nothing. much anything, right? Yeah. It was just you You turn it on and off. We give you the questions. You can, you can mix them up and add your own. But um, the idea, and it's, it was a beautiful concept, which is to make it feel as though you are simply asking questions on a regular basis without any of the overhead of having to figure out, mm -hmm. well, what should I ask this week? That's usually the hardest part when you're trying to get feedback. You're like, oh, what am I, what am I supposed to be asking people right now? So that, that was what the problem, what problem we solved in the beginning. How soon did you realize that name needed to change? Yeah, it's a great question. Well, so the name sort of changing needed or was something that happened actually a lot later after we decided actually the business itself needed to change. So mm. to give yeah listeners a bit of context, so at the time when I took over Know Your Company and uh, started running it, we were, yeah, we were called Know Your Company, right? And our target market at the time were CEOs with maybe 25 to 75 employees, somewhere in there. And so you would be sort of our target market, so to speak, on. And uh, CEOs in particular who wanted to get honest feedback, who wanted to know something in their company that they didn't know before, and they were feeling growing pains, and, and they just wanted to, to feel closer to their team. That was our target market, Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what the product was. So we did really well doing that. And then we noticed something really interesting, which is our sales started to be pretty flat, right? Not down necessarily, but just sort of kind of evening out. That started happening. And then another thing started happening, which is uh, we started seeing a lot more competitors than we'd ever seen. When we first entered the scene, the whole even idea of getting honest feedback was not super in vogue. Uh, and now today it's just like, if you're not running a poll survey, it's like, are you, you know, what are you doing? Right. It's kind of the thing people do these days to check the box. And so 
we started to see the evolution of the market happening, space getting a little more crowded around feedback, company feedback. And then a third thing happened that was so, so fascinating, Yvonne, which is I, as you might know, I write a lot on our Mm -hmm. blog, Mm -hmm. on our Know Your Team blog. And I decided to start writing a lot more about leadership, Um, and especially for new managers, just because we'd been getting a lot of requests about it. And the post did really, really well. And so I started writing more. So everything from how do I run my first team meeting to what do I do in my first one-on-one to how do I build trust if I've just joined to what are the most important things to be focused on? What should my mindset be as a new manager? How do I fire someone as a new manager? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And these posted crazy well. So we saw our organic traffic for our blog over the course of a year increase by um, 21x. It was crazy. Wow. And it's just me writing. It's not like we have a team of people, just Mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands of people reading our blog posts. And yet, not seeing a 21 increase in signups and sales, <laughs> right? And you're like, right, right. Okay. What is the miscon- disconnect what here? What is going on? Right. And here's, what, here's where the problem line, which was our audience on our blog were new managers, first-time managers who felt like they didn't know what they were doing. Our audience for our product were CEOs who were looking um, for to get better feedback. So what would happen is a manager who reads our blog would come to the Know Your Company site and go, wait, I don't own a company. I need more than just getting feedback. I wanted to know how to be a better manager. Oh, and, and you might remember this, Yvonne, the product costs a couple thousand dollars to start using. So the way we priced the product, it was $100 per person one time forever. Yeah, so for example, we can talk about that later because yeah. I have some questions and thoughts yeah. around that as well. <laughs> we'd love to talk about that. Um, no. So what happened is we, or, or the way we used to price the product was it was a hundred dollars per person one time for life. So if you have 20 people in your company, you pay two grand and then you just pay that once and that's it. And the only time you ever pay in is if you hire someone new and then you pay another hundred dollars and that's it. And so if you're a manager and you look at this and you're like, wait, I've got seven people on my team. So you're telling me I pay $700 up front and then that's it. Like that's not, uh, that, that doesn't really sink in, right? doesn't really fit. Right. If you have 10 people, you put down a grand, like, no, that's just not going to fit in mm-hmm. if you're a first time manager in your budget. Right. So we looked at this and we realized we kind of had the opposite, opposite problem that most startups or companies have, which is, <laughs> uh, the problem most startups have is they have a product, but they don't have an audience. And we had the inverse, which is we had an audience, but we didn't have no the product. product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we decided, well, let's, let's change the product. So what we did is we kept the core parts of know your, t- your, know your company, the things that people loved most and made it really, um, you know, successful in the first place. So like you were saying, those questions that were really good, the icebreakers, which are awesome, but then we built a ton of other stuff around it. That was all part of this methodology that we developed in running know your company for so long. And so we did all this research and pulled together three biggest skills that most who were successful really did well on were trust, building trust in a team, honesty. So communicating honestly, getting honest feedback, and context, creating context and helping people know what's going on. So, so trust, honesty, and context. So what we decided to do was to organize and build out features around each of those trust, honesty, and context. And then we had a hypothesis 
that the best way to learn how to build trust and communicate honestly and to create context is not just by turning on a piece of software and going, okay, everybody build trust, go, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> right? Have rapport. I'm not going to do it. Yeah, exactly. Is well, you actually have to first give someone a foundation of knowledge based off data, based off evidence, and help them along the way. And you have to give some sort of education. You also, though, can't give the education in isolation either, though. You can go and read about trust all day, but if you're not doing anything, that doesn't make a difference. So our hypothesis was, well, could know your team actually integrate the two, education and the tools, theory and practice. So that's what we built, is we built a section in the app itself, uh, in our, we call it our knowledge center, where it helps gain that foundation of education. So that's why, you know, we do the workshop live sessions. That's why we write, you know, 60 page guides on mm-hmm. eight plus topics. So we have that. You also have a community of people to talk with, right? So you can learn and, and see what other folks are, are doing. But then we also then give you the tools. So you can then turn on the social questions and the heartbeat tools. And you can turn on our one-on-ones tool. And, uh, but you'll notice, right? Like there's a difference between just using a tool to run one-on-ones versus what you do in Know Your Team is you have a guide about one-on-one meetings. You can read that and then turn on the tool and get so much more out of it. It, it's wonderful. I loved watching it evolve over the last few years. Oh. Yeah, thank you. What was what was great was actually getting questionnaires and user uh, feedback surveys from you and being able to respond to them and know that someone on the other end is actually going to read it <laughs> and is actually going to <laughs> interpret what I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah. So I use mm-hmm. the one-on-one uh, tool vigorously it was it i used to use google docs that's that mm-hmm. was my thing i went to google docs and we used to do in person one on ones once a month um when we had an office and um when i saw it pop up as a feature in know your team i was like yay i could get rid of all my google docs right? and just have it all in there yeah yeah that it's was been awesome. one of the big oh i'm so glad to hear that Yvonne. it's been one of the biggest hits and i think that makes know your team different right i mean it's and this is so cool to hear from an actual customer. It's almost like you are like sat in on our team meetings or something. It's because you said it, you said it yourself, Yvonne, which is that it's actually about a methodology. That's in fact what we're quote unquote, right? Like selling and offering and giving people. It's not so much the piece of software, the software itself. I mean, it's beautiful. It's well-designed, you know, but it's the fact that when you really think about helping leaders and their team change their behavior, that it all starts with understanding that deeper core of why, right? In what way? Why should and why should I change my behavior in this way? For what? And and why does that matter? And so we spent a ton of time developing the methodology and trying to parse the research to figure out what that methodology should be. And I think when you've done that, it now opens up your market as well, because you're no longer having to focus on companies and leaders um, that are between the 50 and 200 employee range. Now you're you're kind of going mm-hmm. smaller to go bigger, right? You're focusing on us. <laughs> I love that. You're yeah. like focusing on teams that typically mm-hmm. are what? 
8 to 10 to 12 people, maybe 20, Mm -hmm. a manager Mm -hmm. that is responsible for that many people. And those teams could be inside large companies, inside corporations. And so that, that was a really smart business decision, I think. Well, thank you. It's a really long answer to your original question, I realized, which is you just asked me why we changed our name. <laughs> so, well, that's which, why. Well, now we know. <laughs> yeah, so to answer your question from the beginning, it's because, yep, we we decided to, to serve actual teams. So I love that phrase, we went small to go big. You can use it. It's yours. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> now, a little earlier, we talked about how um, the cost was $100 mm-hmm. per employee for life. And yes. when I first saw that, um, I thought to myself, this is brilliant. I pay for mm. it once and I forget about it. Like, And then I thought to myself, okay, um, as a business owner, like, how do I ensure that I have recurring revenue after you know a couple of years on this employee because some because basically my desire is for my team to be happy and if my team Mm -hmm. is happy i don't have turnover and if i don't have turnover then the average uh, span of my employee staying with me is pretty long at which point the company that's enabling me you know your team Mm -hmm. are out of that you know, a hundred dollar mm-hmm. per employee revenue of people that I am uh, hiring. Sure. So, um, do you do you remember the original thought of like the once per lifetime pricing? Was there? Yeah. What was the um, impetus of that? Because you don't see that very often. It's it's pretty unique. Yeah, people are always intrigued about this, and there's a lot I could say. The origination of it is actually not my own idea. It was one inherited from. Uh, base camp, and I believe their data person at the time is the one who came up with it. And the original idea why they did it is because they didn't know how long it was going to be around for. It was a prototype for them. You oh. know, it was like this fun product that they wanted to try. And it's like, what's a simple thing that doesn't, you know, that helps them get upfront revenue and just sort of test the idea. And so they just tried it. Now, when I inherited the product in that new pricing model, then I had a decision. Well, am I going to keep it or am I going to change it to something different? And the reason I chose to keep it is actually because I noticed something really interesting that happened because of the pricing model, which is that because you are having CEOs invest maybe at minimum 10K, right? And maybe mm-hmm. if they have 50 employees, it's 5K. If they've got more, it's 80, 8K, et cetera. That's, I mean, it's not trivial, Right. So all of a sudden they've up, you know, invested more than just say, you know, 25 bucks a month or 40 Mm -hmm. bucks a month. So the energy that the CEO will then put into talking about the tool in the beginning, getting people excited about it, engaging in it, actually looking at the tool itself and answering questions was quite high. Mm -hmm. So it actually became Mm -hmm. a sort of sunk cost for the CEO and encouraged the kind of behavior that we wanted to see people using in in using the tool. So that was the original. So that's the reason I decided to keep it is because I was like, oh, this actually helps influence the way people are using the tool, which is in line with the way we want people to be thinking about the tool, which is that no, your company shouldn't be seen as this feedback product that you can turn off anytime you get a piece of feedback you don't like, right? Mm -hmm. Because when it's like, you know, 40 bucks a month or whatever, then you're just like, eh, let's just stop it. Versus if you invest, you know, two grand up front, you're like, no, this is like, we're going to really try. We're going to try to listen and this is going to be an initiative and it's a program. 
There's skin in the game, isn't there? Exactly. So that's why we did it. The other sort of reason that we didn't realize that ended up becoming really useful at the time is it also got us to profitability extremely quickly as a bootstrap Mm -hmm. company. When I first took over for Know Your Team, I mean, you know, we started at zero in the bank (laughs) and it was like, okay, well, let's, you know, sell to folks, see what happens. And we became profitable in the first month due to this pricing model. And I think- it would have been at least uh, it would have taken at least a year and maybe four months to get to profitability had we been on a subscription model. I gotta be honest, I <laughs> I only realized that you had actually gone to the subscription model today when I was mm-hmm. doing the research for the podcast episode because I I think I'm still grandfathered into the old one hundred dollar premium. Pl- yeah, you so. are. So we so here's what we did, right? So then when we moved to know your team. We thought, okay, well, do we keep the same pricing or we do something different? And we decided to definitely do something different because, like I mentioned earlier, two grand for a manager makes no sense right. up front. It right. just doesn't make any sense. It, mm-hmm. it, it just doesn't. So we have a new target audience, right? We have managers, so this means the pricing's got to change. So today what we charge is we charge just 30 bucks per month per manager. So we don't do by user. So you can add as many employees as you want. We charge per manager because that's who we feel like we're uh, delivering the most value for. And when we made the price change, like you said, Yvonne, we decided to grandfather in everybody who had the old pricing model unless they decided, you know, for some reason they preferred the other pricing model. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that that's how we decided to move forward. I think that's... Um you kind of got the best of both both worlds because you were able to take advantage of the actually upfront cash that your customers are giving you in the first mm-hmm. year or two. And then when that revenue starts to not be recurring anymore, mm-hmm. when, you, when you actually do have to have some sort of recurring revenue, you're able to change your business model so that um, you had that recurring revenue coming in. I think you've played it well. This is <laughs> sounds I, a lot more elegant in hindsight. I think. <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah, when you're doing it in in the kind of reacting to the circumstances, it doesn't really feel like it's that well planned. Sometimes, I mean, you mm-hmm. think you try to be planful, but um, you know, who knows what the circumstances are going to be like mm-hmm. coming up? Precisely. A couple more questions. Um, one of them is the same question you've asked at the beginning of your podcast uh the one that you had jason freed ask you on your 50th episode (laughs) (laughs) and i'm gonna ask you again the same question that he asked you and maybe give you an opportunity to reflect on the answer that you gave um and the question is what is um the one thing you wished you had learned earlier on as a leader yeah It is funny because I've literally asked this question to over 50 different leaders. And I will say, actually, everyone has had a different response, which has been really remarkable. But when I try to answer this, Yvonne, and you may have seen this on the podcast itself, I got a little stuck. I was like, God, that's actually, huh. And uh, I'll share what I told Jason, and then I'll share maybe one other one that um, sort of now and having more time to marinate on it, uh, I feel like is true, which is that I really wish I would have learned how to trust myself earlier. And that I think when you are first starting out as a, whether a new founder or your first time manager, it's very easy to 
seek out what have been the accepted models for success and then to look for patterns for how the person got there. So as a result, you do a lot of sort of snapping to grid of, oh, this is what this person did when they ran their meeting. So I'm going to try to emulate that. Mm. Or I talk to a mentor about a certain situation and they're giving me feedback that I should uh, talk about this to my team. So I'm going to do that. And uh, the truth of the matter is, but each person in each situation is so different. So, so different. And no one has ever in the history of anything been exactly in your specific situation as a leader, nor have they ever exactly been you. So (laughs) as a result, there is no real true model of success to actually be following. And at the end of the day, for whatever outcome you're looking for, the most important thing that you can be doing is trusting yourself in that. And that doesn't mean to ignore advice or to not take in information, but it means to understand that any seeking of an ultimate right answer is never going to come. And oftentimes the answer is, is in yourself. So eloquently put. I, um, (laughs) (laughs) thank you. I love the answer. I love the answer. Thank you. Um, a final question. What, what are you looking forward to? What, what's coming up for Know Your Team? What's yeah. coming up for you personally, given all of the pan- pandemic quarantine that, that's um, yeah. around us right now? I'm kind of looking for a light at the end of the tunnel. Or what, what, are you, what are you most interested in that's coming up? Sure. Well, I think the things I'm most interested in are, are energized by is just the ways that we are planning to improve the product in the next six months. We are planning a lot of really, really? awesome things in the pipeline. Awesome. Yeah. And we're planning to move as quickly as we can on them. And so excited to see these new features built out. One of them in particular, um, and I don't like to sh- share the roadmap just in case we do change our minds. So I'll yeah, just sort yeah. of give a vague teaser. But one of them in particular is a really, really core part of our methodology that from day one I wanted to build out. But w- we just knew we didn't have the time yet. And we needed to do a few other things to the product first before we could do that. And so I am very, very excited for that piece. And it will sort of – it will be a big pillar that'll fall under the trust, honesty, and context methodology that we've developed. But I think as of today, know your team, it's really great. But without it, I think it's actually a little incomplete, quite frankly. And so I'm really excited to ship that. Uh, Hopefully we'll have that before the fall. So, and then we have a few other features in the pipeline right now that'll come out before that. So really excited about that. And then the other things that I would say I'm most excited about our continuing writing and doing the workshop live sessions. We've gotten just so much incredible feedback from folks about both, um, but particularly the workshop live sessions. So we have hundreds and hundreds of folks from all over the world who will tune in. We um, are, you know, there was one I held yesterday where we had a couple hundred folks from all over the world who tuned in on um, how to uh, lead in a time of crisis, right? So I'm really looking forward to sharing more expertise about relevant topics. Uh, We've got one coming up on how to build trust in a team environment, which is very timely, right? A lot of people feeling like we were saying we need more trust in remote teams. 
Uh, so those are the things I'm, I'm looking forward to for sure. Yvonne, thanks for asking. Yeah, I'm looking forward to maybe attending some of those sessions as well. I, I've been I've been quite involved in the Bureau of Digital's community, and they've been um, you know just an incredible support throughout this whole COVID nineteen. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's it's been great, and um, it's nice that there are so many trusted communities out there that are available for people to join and for people to yes. be a part of. It's um, it's nice to see. Thank you. I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on, on the show and for your questions and for your interest in the backstory. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for spending your time with me today. It's, it's really been amazing talking to you, and I hope we can uh, get a chance to do that again in the future. You bet. Claire Liu is CEO of Know Your Team, and you can find them online at knowyourteam.com, where you can sign up for the service, read Claire's blog, and of course, subscribe to her podcast. You've been listening to the 107 podcast. Find us online at 107.com slash podcast. And if you have a second, do send us a message. We love hearing from you. Our email address is podcast at 107.com. Until next time, this is Ivan Stegich. Thank you for listening.